Welcome to The Confessionalist. Today we are talking about land curses. I'm Raymond Simmons, and we're on Episode 3. I think the doctrine of land curses is so important, and we are simply not discussing it today. With all of our discussion about what's going on with our culture and our country, I think we've missed this element. And I think we've missed it in part because we've lost the general concept that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 28 of blessings and curses. This construct still, this rubric still exists for us today, and we don't think about it. I think we've also lost the specific, more granular understanding of what causes a curse on our land and what that means for us practically. So here we go. Land curses. What are they and why should we care? Land curses do in fact deal with the land. Adam's uh, garden and the curse that 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 followed was land-based, of course. Noah and the promise not to destroy the land by water again brings out the land element. Abraham's covenant, where his descendants would inherit the land. David's covenant, a covenant over uh, territorial land, and ultimately Jesus's covenant, where he is reversing the land curse of Adam and proactively securing the whole world, in fact, the, the whole cosmos for himself, is a fulfillment of the sign of the land of Canaan. So there's more to covenant than just land, but land is an integral part of our covenant relation to God. And that's why we see cursed land so often in the Old Testament and why we see it continues into the New Testament, the New Covenant. So land curses are about the land, the terra firma we live on, but by extension, they encompass the people who live on the land. Whenever a nation is cursed, it is done so within borders. Acts 17.26 says that God appoints our times and the bounds of our habitation. In other words, we live in a certain time, and we live within a certain border, and and God deals with us in those ways of, with blessings and curses. It's geographical, and it is societal related to that. Now, this is good and bad. Bad because we can get caught up in curses just by where we live uh, in the society that we're in. But it's also good because we can move into blessings with a societal change or a geographical change, as long as that geographical area, uh, the society is pleasing God. So one of the ways to bring the concept of land curses back into our conscience is to list out just the the metadata of land curses. You know, sometimes we talk in general terms about our country being under under judgment, and that's good. Again, the blessings and and, and curses construct, but we need to continue on to the specifics. Um, so we're gonna do we're, we're gonna do that. We're gonna go through Deuteronomy twenty eight. Before we do, let's remember that the principles of the Bible are binding, not the application of the principle. For example, we'll see that there is a curse of scorching winds. Okay, now we're not particularly concerned about scorching winds, but the principle is that there is a destructive weather pattern. Once you have that that principle, then you look around and you see if any of that is occurring. So here we go. Here are some of the specific curses that we see from Deuteronomy. Business failure, verse 16. Few children, 
poor crops, few animal offspring, verse 18, difficulty in all tasks, verse 19, national disasters and confusion, 20, pandemics, verse 21, fevers, burning, scorching winds, war, mildew, verse 22, drought, 24, military defeat, verse 25, death, verse 26, skin diseases, scurvy, verse 27, insanity, you know, I just watched uh, something uh, two days ago that says at the current rate of increase of Alzheimer's, one in two people above, I think it was 75, will be affected by Alzheimer's in 30 years. 50% of the population. Okay, moving on. Blindness, numbness of heart, verse 28. Lack of prosperity, oppression and robbery. By the way, most taxes today are unauthorized from the Bible and therefore are robbery. And that was in verse 29. Marital infidelity is a curse, land curse, verse verse 30. Loss of resources and more. So you can see that it's helpful to go through these. And these are not ethereal concepts. There's some grit to these. You can see them as you live your life and, and you, you think about what's going on today. Now, another way that we can get a more specific and more uh, vivid uh, conscience of land curses is to figure out if they still apply to us today. I mean, is this something that's in our backyards or not? I mean, do we own this? And what we're going to see is that the Bible is very clear. Yes, they apply to us today. We own these things, whether we want to or not. So let's you know, kind of run through some of the reasons. First of all, Adam's curse. It's still in, in force. Adam heard these words, cursed is the ground for thy sake. That's in Genesis 3, verse 17. All of our problems uh, you know, that we deal with in our lives are, are related to this land curse. Uh, it gives you an idea of the scope of uh, of that curse. Now, thankfully, Jesus's cross work has restored his people back to, to fellowship with, with God. And God is also rolling back the effect on creation that this land curse had. And, and you can see that in Romans chapter eight. But even though Adam's curse is being rolled back, it still has a personal effect on us, on, on everybody. And it has a societal effect in forms of a land curse today. Secondly, Land curses were not just for Israel. Leviticus 18 shows us that that even non-Israel nations were under land curses for their, their disobedience. They violated God's law, and they defiled the land. We read this in Leviticus 18, verses 24 through 25. Uh, God is speaking to Moses, and Moses is speaking to Israel. "'Defile ye not yourselves in any of these things.' For in all these things the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore do I visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Now we read here, for in all these things the nations, plural, are defiled. Now those things that defiled the nations and the land were mostly sexual immorality. You can read that about that in Leviticus 18. The fact is, every nation is defiled, and their land, their specific geographical land, is defiled if they are in disobedience to God. And this has been the case that goes beyond Israel. Third, the Great Commission that goes to the whole world carries with it 
all of the law. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That means teaching the law. And it's not just individuals who have to obey this, but nations have to obey them. And, And what's even more, with Christ active reign, his expectation and the requirements have actually increased. Jesus upheld the concept of curses in the new covenant, geographical land curses. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, Jesus said, if a house or a city does not receive the gospel, dust off your feet, which means to pronounce a curse. That was the uh, uh, the the phrase in the culture, and so he upheld the principle that it's that it's even more required now than it was in the old covenant. Listen to what he said in Matthew ten fifteen. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So, so in a, in other words, it's going to be worse for a city who rejects the gospel than it was for the punishment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus uh, continues this idea in uh, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 and 21, where he says uh, he, he began upbraiding the cities because they would not repent. Paul and Barnabas, they actually did shake the dust off their feet, just like Jesus said to do when the Jews and the chief men of Antioch rejected them. So you see this societal um, rejection and the curse pla- uh, placed upon cities. So there really should be no doubt that, that the land curses apply to us today. God has not stopped the overall uh, blessing and cursing construct. He does it geographically, and he has not... Uh, stopped the concept of land curses. In fact, specifically, um, Jesus upheld them, and the requirement has increased in the new covenant for nations to obey him. Continuing our discussion, let me give you a sample of some of the things that cause land curses. If they still apply, which I, I think is is undeniable, I mean, the, the Scripture's clear about this, then what causes them? Well, basically, they are caused by any widespread societal sin, which fundamentally means breaking one of the Ten Commandments, uh, that causes a curse. And in some case, a lack of punishment means the land is defiled. Listen to what Numbers thirty-five thirty-three says. So ye shall not pollute the land wherein you ye are, for blood it defileth the land. And the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. So if there is blood of an innocent person on the land, then the murderer has to be uh, executed in order for the land to be cleansed. Now, um, so let's just get some numbers here. In 2018, in the United States, we had 16,214 convicted murderers. Of those over 16,000, we executed 25. That means that 0.1% of all convicted murderers in the, in, in the United States received the punishment that God requires. And of course, the number of murder of the unborn is a lot larger, 875,658 in 2018. So there is definitely uh, a defilement of our land by innocent blood. 
Also, sexual sins. We we went over this a little bit in Leviticus 18. Uh, it, it lays them out. Incest, adultery, bestiality, and homosexuality, they're all condemned side by side. And any nation that does these things and practices them has a land curse. So how are we doing on that one? Here's another one, Sabbath breaking. And this is a big one. This is one of the primary reasons the pilgrims came to America. They could not convince the Dutch, the the Dutch government and the Dutch culture to keep the Sabbath holy. Nehemiah said that that it was breaking of the Sabbath that caused the Israelites to go into, into exile. So how is our Sabbath keeping going today? Idolatry. Idolatry is the, the fourth one we'll bring up. I plan to do a whole episode on this because we don't realize that idolatry is going on all around us, and it condemns a city in which it is practiced. Deuteronomy 13, 5 through 18, says that a city is condemned for allowing public false worship. Uh, look this up in Rush Dooney's Institutes in the, in the First Commandment section. He does a very good job of explaining this. Idolatry is the worship of idols, but it also includes false worship, such as cults, the Roman Catholic Church, Islam, um, any of the false religions that are allowed to publicly, officially worship their false gods. Now, this probably sounds radical t- to us today, but it was very well accepted in our country's founding. This, in, in, in my opinion, our change in our mindset is one area where we have been so influenced by the culture and the government schools. It's really amazing. God was not okay with idolatry in the Old Testament, and he is not okay with it in the New Testament. In fact, uh, when, when Paul went into Athens, into the heart of the idolatrous city, he confronted it right on, and he said this. Uh, this is in Acts 17.30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And he was dealing with the idolatry of uh, of the the Greek culture. Well, today I just wanted us to go beyond the news and the surface level an, uh, analysis. We need to reacquaint ourselves with the general construct of blessings and curses because that's the rubric that God places on us and has always placed on society. We need to be thinking in his terms. Then we need to revive the study of land curses to see where we went off the rails. Uh, we we saw that they that they do apply, and we need to become convinced of this, convicted of this. And once we agree on what causes them, then we can set an accurate and a winsome, proactive biblical path to uh, improving our society's righteousness. Now, being under these curses is bad, and we are in a very bad state on essentially everything that causes societal curses. But sorry to say, we we haven't even discussed one of the most daunting realities, and it is this. According to the Bible, you cannot get out of land curses except by God's decision and declaration, and that only comes by His methods by His grace, by His forgiveness, in the way that He says to do it. In fact, you can't go forward under a curse as a society. Now, you can have individual success, family success, church success, but as a society, the Bible's clear that you can't go forward until that curse is removed by God. Have we thought about this? I mean, it it seems like that should be a, a, 
a primary topic of discussion when we're when we're talking about what's going on. So we will talk about this more next time, and we'll talk about the biblical ways to get out of the curses. And by no surprise at this point, I think my listeners will understand that I'm going to present uh, from the Bible the local all-of-society confessions that, that we see in the Bible and that we see in Reformed history as, as a way forward. Well, until next time, Psalm 6311, But the king shall rejoice in God, everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs> 